are now listening to a single mama married podcast where women from all walks of life share their intimate life experiences by exposing real life scandals, deception, agony, and how they found happiness through their adversities. I am your host, Mo McCarty, and this is an unorthodox therapy. Take a listen. you guys are able to join us today and today I have a special guest and her name is Jeanette Bayless. Uh, me and Jeanette have been uh, friends for a very long time. We've known each other actually since we were children mm-hmm. and along the time of us growing into our young adulthood to now our adulthood we've had some battles, we've had some We've had some, some, some. We had quite a, yeah. a journey, um, individually and collectively. And the reason why um, I decided to bring Jeanette onto the show as one of our first guests in the new season is because her story touches other women very differently. Um, Jeanette is a renowned individual who is successful. She is a wife. She is a prominent career woman, a mother, um, a mother of two beautiful children. But before I tell a story, please let us know about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I, I feel like I'm so simple. So I'm just like a wife. I'm just a mom, a sister, a daughter. And I feel like I just identify with all of those things differently. So I'm the oldest daughter on both sides, and um, I'm a spoiled brat when it comes to my parents. And I know with your dad, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> dad, for sure. And even though flip tables have kind of flipped, my mom spoils me quite a lot. But, um, um, yeah, I'm a wife. I have two toddlers. I'm working from home. Um, yeah, during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. I know. And I can't believe we're in the pandemic right now. So, uh, and what a blessing. And for those who don't know, who haven't been following, um, I've had interviews set up in the month of March, but because of the pandemic, it really delayed me to really release the official launch of this podcast. But I'm excited. We're here. We're here and we're doing it raw. Okay. So no edits, no none of that. I might have a few things here and there, but um, this is what you get. What you see is what you get. So, um, one of the, you know, the reason why I brought you on board, obviously, is because I know you have a story to tell, and yeah. I know that your story can touch a lot of women, and, you know, the purpose of my podcast is truly to talk to women who identify with your story, because you know that you're not the only one who's gone this, because uh, yeah. you're not, you, you can't be the first person of inception of this experience, right. but you might be the first person who can share your experience so that the next woman who's listening in... Mm-hmm can relate and identify themselves with what you're going through. Yeah. And some of the things that you mentioned to me prior to this interview um, and conversation is really that you struggled a lot with postpartum depression, but your postpartum depression was a little different. Tell me about that different. What was it? Different in um, the fact that I had three losses prior and I didn't experience what I know to be postpartum depression until I had my second child that made it to this earth, my son. So 
when you're going through postpartum depression after you've had three losses and now you have these two beautiful kids you're like really why you would think i feel like most people would be like oh you're supposed to be like so grateful so right right and i was like i was i was grateful and i was happy but postpartum depression is something that you really you don't have control over and i was experiencing that really heightened after having my second child. Okay. So the, when you say you don't have control over that, over that, and I think that's the stigma, like yeah. your partners and your significant others or even people around you have, um, I guess you would say, believe for it to be our everyday expectations of this is what is expected. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to deal with it regardless. Mm-hmm. And trying to normalize that this is, normal when in actuality when in fact it isn't normal it is not. Um, and we need to break the stigma of the ppd being a temporary fix that you can fix on your own mm-hmm. when i highly encourage do you encourage therapy during oh. ppd yes i feel like therapy is just as important as your physical health yeah if you go to the doctor for a cold i mean we don't go to the doctor for a cold, a cold right. but if you are sick and you go to a doctor if you are having unhealthy thoughts right you should be seeing a therapist absolutely yeah absolutely so let's 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 talk a little bit about this ppd and and what you mentioned you have three losses mm-hmm. and you didn't realize your ppd did your ppd happen after you had your first child that made it to earth or was it your second child and when did you realize and how long i mean there's a series of questions here because i, I want to know because most women and those were those who's listening in guys um i, I really want to touch subject on how what jeanette is saying she's saying that she had three losses prior mm-hmm. and her first rainbow baby she had she she experienced real postpartum depression which essentially led to real depression mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and you realize that after your first baby but then you get this feeling where i'm not supposed to feel like this because i should be grateful like you said i should be grateful i've had three miscarriages and these children that i wanted so badly with my husband but i lost them all and then i finally have one and here i am feeling like what is freaking yeah. wrong with me Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why do you, like, what did you feel in that moment, that first four months? Um, If I can give, like, a little background. So I had the three, I had three losses. So I lost my first pregnancy at 16 weeks. So that's four months, right? Right. And um, my water broke, my water just broke. And I didn't know what to do, so we just rushed to the hospital and to find out that at 16 weeks, uh, the baby is not viable, right? Mm -hmm. So it cannot survive outside the womb. It cannot survive without amniotic fluid. There's nothing that you can do. So I um, I had to have a vaginal birth. Um, And I was told this was just a thing that was never going to happen again. Oh, it's just a fluke. It's not, you know. Right. right, right, Um, right. They ran every test, tried to see if I had, like, an infection. Um, And me and my husband, we got pregnant again, maybe six months after, at 16 weeks again. 
Um, I was having like really bad back pains and I realized I'm feeling my back, my mm-hmm. actual, you, oh, you literally felt, I felt it in the canal. Get the hell out. So you actually felt it like in the canal. Go, okay. And I was in the bathroom. I thought I had to go number two. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, this is not, this is coming out the wrong way. I told my husband to get me a mirror, and when I took the mirror and I looked, I could see my bag. So we went to the hospital, and um, yeah, so now I'm in the process of. And this is your second miscarriage, right? Second okay, one. yeah, at, um, at four months again. And this is traumatic for me because this is the second time at four months, and I have to, you know. To deliver a baby that I'm not going to be able to take home and with this one it was a little bit different because I lost consciousness my placenta wouldn't come out and so I had to go into emergency surgery and there was like points where I didn't remember what was going on right um, because I was in and out of consciousness so um, I had this doctor who told me that it wouldn't happen again, which was my OB. Is it the same doctor that mm-hmm. told you the last time mm-hmm. that it wouldn't happen again? Mm-hmm. What was the difference between that communication? Like, was it the same issue? It was the same. But it won't still happen repeated again. the mm-hmm. same. Okay, so I'm just going to rewind back. I, I want you to continue your story, but uh, just remember that I want to talk on, do you think that if you had a doula advocating oh. for you, would that doctor be different on how he or she communicated to you on what would and could have happened again the next go-around? Yeah. I think if I had a different doctor altogether, if I had a different insurance altogether, because okay. at this time, I was unemployed and I wasn't working, so I had I think I was like on Medicare. Medicare. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they treat you a little different. Right, right, right. Because right. oh, it's yeah. government funded, so right. they've gotten a third. I think you're your, your feelings and your, uh, mm-hmm. everything you're going through is non-existent and it's just a, a cry for help. Okay. Yeah, you're just another yeah. person that don't need to be having right. a baby because look at you, you're right. on Medi-Cal. Right, 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 right. right. Okay. So um, I didn't have another baby for quite some time, some time passed. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, it was very unexpected because we were actually in the process right. of moving when right, I found right, out right, from right. California to Las Vegas. And I had just left one job at a hospital mm-hmm. to come out here and work for another company. So I was in between insurance. When I went, I actually lasted much longer. I was 19 weeks when I woke up and I was like, you know what? Something just doesn't feel right. I didn't have any pains, nothing. I said, something don't feel right. And I told my husband I wanted to go to the hospital. I didn't have insurance. I went to the hospital. Um, I picked this hospital because it was a Catholic hospital. So I was like, I'm going to go there. They're gonna go yeah, they're going yeah. Yeah, to yeah. go pro baby. So when I went to the hospital, I found out that I was two centimeters dilated and that a dying portion of my bag was protruding. They sent in a high-risk doctor who came in, and when I gave them my history, he said, why haven't you had a high-risk doctor from day one? The minute you, he told me the minute that, um, the moment that I lost my first son at 16 weeks, I was supposed to have a high-risk doctor. Because, I'm just listening to that. yeah, Yeah, because, you know, when you have a first trimester miscarriage, those things, well, mo- a lot. I think there's like a high percentage, right, of women who lose their first 
um, child to miscarriage because it could just be that the cells, you know, didn't develop right and the body expels, you know, the baby. Right. Um, but it is not normal for a woman to have, to lose a baby in the second trimester. Right. There's a problem. So I had to have, I had to go into emergency surgery. I had to have this cervical surplage, which is a stitch around the, um, the cervix, right. which is the neck or the door or whatever, to the uterus that keeps the baby in. Um, I was in the hospital for, I was 19 weeks, and then I was six months when I delivered my daughter. So I was in the hospital for quite some time. In the first two weeks, I couldn't even get up. Because I had this, and because my bag had protruded a little bit, they didn't want me to do anything. I couldn't get up. I had to use the bedpan. Like, I couldn't do... Yeah, yeah, I couldn't do anything. Um, I couldn't get up. I had to have a catheter, all that stuff. So, um, when we realized, okay, it's working, I was able to start getting up. Um, Instead of, you know... Wiping, I was able to take a shower, and it seemed like everything was so great. Um, and then my bat, my water broke with the surclage in it uh, one day, and she was still surviving. She was still doing great. And when I got to when I got to twenty four weeks, um, my doctor came in and they started giving me steroid that's, shots. That's like my signs are twenty four weeks. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm. I can't remember. How, I don't know how far along I am. Guys, oh, hey, surprise. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I don't know how far along I am, but that kind of gives me an idea. Six months. Six yeah. months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's when yeah. the baby can survive outside the womb because, you know, has a better chance because the lungs right, 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 right. Um, have developed. Um, but they started giving me um, steroid shots. Or they, they give you one steroid shot. And then the next day I was supposed to get the next one. They had the um, neonatal doctor okay. come in because they have to prepare you for all of this and tell you, you know, how your child could have um, cerebral palsy, right. all of these. All that good stuff. Right. So pretty much scaring the shit out of you. Yeah. Everything that's happening for everything you. that's going yeah. on. And um, um, before I could... That night, I I had a friend who had gone through something very similar, and I was in constant communication with her, and I remember her um, telling me how when she was in the hospital going through this, she was having labor pains, but she kind of didn't tell them, and, you know, um, I don't think she had a monitor on, but because I was going through this, I was going through really bad labor pains, and I just would ignore it and yeah. try to act like I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I was like, like, like no, nope, I don't, you know, um, I'm going to wait it out because she was supposed to be delivered the next morning by um, cesarean um, after I got the second um, steroid shot. So I just remember the nurse coming in. She had the ultrasound and she couldn't find the heartbeat. And then the doctor came in and he brought the machine the actual um ultrasound to see and we realized my daughter didn't have a heartbeat any longer so i was like so drugged up they started drugging me up i was in and out of consciousness and i had to deliver uh, once again at uh, my daughter's six months um 
And when you go through those processes, you get to see those babies. Yeah. You get to hold them. You get to have time mm -hmm. with them. You get memory boxes that you go home with. Everything you have to cremate them or bury them. However, you know, however yeah. you choose. Um, but I had just started this new job. I was actually still in the training process. And if you miss one day, that's it. But my job was grateful enough or um, amazing enough to keep me on. And I think I went through that situation not knowing that I had postpartum because I went back to work and I kept myself busy. busy. And that's what I call and say, mm -hmm. oh, you're what you yeah. I want to PPD. Yeah. But I was. I was really depressed. I really didn't want to. I didn't even want to live. I was, you know, I felt like I was going through normal grief, however. Right, right. So then when I had my daughter and she survived because I had a surplage put in at 12 weeks. Okay. Um, and um, I ended up having a cesarean with her to okay. deliver her. But she, I, I had problems with her too because even now you can tell her personality. She's very impatient. Right. I was going into early labor with her. So I actually delivered her at 36 weeks. Okay. In six days, I think. She was almost there. But, um. You know, it was a very stressful pregnancy. I was on bed rest, right. starting at like five months, right. where I couldn't, really, I couldn't do anything. I had to get um, progesterone shots, okay, which is the hormone that keeps, keeps you pregnant, you. Uh -huh. right? So, um, when I had her, I didn't really, I don't, I, I was never diagnosed with postpartum with right. her. Um, but then when I had my son, I went through all those same things. I had to have the surplage again. And this time it was so much harder. I don't know, like having the surplage with him, like I was so sick afterwards. Like I threw up and I don't know what it was. My pregnancy was just so much different and it was harder with him. And then, I mean, you went through a lot. Yeah, I went through a lot. This is the span of. By the way, how long since from the beginning of the beginning of your first pregnancy all the way to now your fifth pregnancy? This was a matter of how. Yeah, time. 2011, and I had my son in 17, so six years. So six years, you you've been pregnant five times. You lost the first three. Mm -hmm. You finally have your blessings um, with your daughter, and then you have Zion, obviously, mm -hmm. and that's when you realize, okay. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really tired. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm tired because you, you, your body has gone through so much. Yeah, my body went through a lot, and then three weeks after having Zion, I found out I had postpartum preeclampsia. My um, okay, guys, like, yeah. we got to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> See, for uh, when uh, you know, me and Jeanette obviously had a conversation of just prior to us recording. And when she mentioned that to me, I was diving into it. Like, help me understand how in the goddamn hell do you get preeclampsia after pregnancy? I didn't I know don't, it was possible. Right. I, I, I didn't know up until you told me just now. Like, oh, I my didn't gosh. I know it was possible, but it is. And I only, I had a headache for three days and I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't sit. I couldn't lay. It was so bad. And when I went to, I can't remember what my blood pressure was, but when I went to ER, it was sky high. And of course, they have to test. They uh, do a urine sample. You have protein, right? Your, right, right, right. Uh, um, urine. They told me that it was postpartum. I was like, well, I thought the only way to get rid of 
preeclampsia was to have a baby, and they right. that there are small <laughs> chances that you develop it um, after having a baby. So I had to take high blood pressure medicine. It felt like it was close to a year. I thought I was never, I was like, this is it. I'm just going to always have, you know, high blood pressure. But I ended up, um, it ended up regulating. So, but yeah, I would have to um, monitor my blood pressure every day. And I was taking Procardia. Man, you mm-hmm. was taking you you your body went through mm-hmm. a ton of stuff from pills to yeah. just and just having to have surgery to have your babies. Your precious mm-hmm. beautiful. She has some beautiful children, guys. Oh my goodness, some gorgeous children. You develop preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. We've already touched subject on you having three losses. And now you finally had your, your 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 daughter, and then you have your son. But you didn't realize, even after all those things that you've gone through, yeah. that you wasn't feeling or experiencing PPD at it, at any given point. Did you think that when you had those losses, was it just like baby blues, or just kind of grief more than depression? Um, I think with the losses, I just I just felt like they were grief. Okay. But I think when I had my son and I started having really unhealthy thoughts. Okay. Let's um, get into that. What kind of unhealthy thoughts did you have? You know, I've never really told anybody (laughs) except for my doctors, really, these unhealthy thoughts. But you have thoughts of harming your children. Like, you know, physically harming your children and yourself. and that's when I realized, okay, yeah, this is not normal. This is not okay. And I talked with um, my doctor about it. And it's like, how do I get to this point after having um, fought so hard to have the two kids that right. I Because I can't just have um, children naturally. Right. I have to you have, have all to, this assistance, uh-huh. you know, right, all right, this right, help. Right. Just to have them. So, obviously, I wanted them. Yeah. So, and why then, all of a sudden am I feeling like this? Yeah. So, you kind of felt guilty for you feeling feel guilty. How, you, how, how you feel. Yeah. You feel guilty for having these thoughts. But um, I think it's important for people to realize that it is not something that you can control. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, it's right. a... There's so many things that um, factor into um, postpartum depression. You've had this you know, surge in hormones and I was taking hormones when I was pregnant, you know, and those become uh, hormonal imbalances and this lack of sleep that you have because you're nursing a child every two hours, waking up, you know, um, all of those things factor in. And then, like you said, all of the things that my body had already been through, you know, with all these surgeries and whatnot you know there was just a lot of things that um I feel like contributed to me having these unhealthy thoughts that were really really scary to me that um turned into depression right sorry we have to close out but come back and join us next Wednesday where Jeanette finishes her story and really get down to the nitty-gritty of her experience. I hope you guys are all 
registered and subscribed to the channel. And we can't wait to see you guys on the map with us next Wednesday. See you then. You were listening to Single Mama Married Podcast, an unorthodox therapy hosted by Mo McCarty. Visit us at www.singlemamamarried.com or www.unorthodoxtherapy.org.